Eits jolla kali. Hey y'all, what's up? You're about to listen to facts, stories, interviews, gossip, live music, booty bump and beats, and much more fascinating things that will be so stunning, there's a possibility that your mind will blow. This show will start. Five, four, three, two, one. Due to the coronavirus, the following show is being produced and broadcast by the Yolokali youth from their homes. So sit back, relax at home, and enjoy the show. Salutations. You're listening to What's Up on WLPNLP, Chicago, 105.5 FM, Bumpin' Radio. We're broadcasting from our homes through the power of science and whatever. Hello, my name is Augie. I'm Cynthia. I'm Adrian. And I'm Jennifer. And I'm Manuel. And this is the second show of season 17. And uh, would you look at that, it's yet another pandemic episode. Before we begin with all the shenanigans, we would love to introduce the newest members of our WhatsApp crew, Miles and Nidia. Hi guys. Hello. Now for the first time in more than a year, things will look a bit closer to normal in Illinois as we are in phase five of this reopening. And again, that means no more capacity limits. Okay, yes, fully vaccinated people will no longer have to wear a mask and everybody can take the mask off outside. This news no doubt comes as a celebration everywhere from Rogers Park to Hyde Park and all of the places in between. A lot of COVID restrictions are lifted starting today in a statement. The governor says he invites Illinoisans to feel the hope and the joy of this moment while still recognizing that the pandemic is still very present. With Chicago moving forward on phase five of its five-step plan to reopen, we thought it necessary to talk about what the hell just happened. We'll take a look at what's happened post-pandemic from personal lives and education to public health and activism. Thank you for that, Miles. I have a question for you guys. Have any of you been outside since some restrictions were lifted? Yeah, um, so I've been outside for work or just to see my friends since it's been a long time since I've seen a lot of them, so it was really nice to be able to see see them now. Were y'all aware of the five phases the state put into place? Well, if not, we're here to tell you about them. We can get right into it with phase one, and this was called rapid spread. So during this time, what was open? Only essential gatherings of 10 people or less were allowed. No travel was allowed and healthcare was focused on only emergency procedures and COVID-19 care. All education and childcare went remote and state parks were closed. Do you remember that we could barely go outside to walk? The only people allowed to work were essential workers and everything else entertainment related was closed. In terms of retail, 
Shopping was not allowed and the only stores open were essential ones, such as grocery stores. What were some thoughts going through your head when the state shut down? At first, I wasn't sure what to expect. I wasn't sure what the shutdown meant. And as the guidelines kept on kind of rolling in the you can only go out, you know, for necessities, only essential workers are going to the actual workplace, it was kind of scary and confusing at the same time. I was just scared. Scared that someone I knew was gonna catch COVID and die. Moving forward, we went into phase two. This was called a flattening. Obviously, we're trying to flatten the curve. And again, only essential gatherings were still allowed of 10 people or less. Non-essential travel at this time was discouraged and healthcare's focus was still only on emergencies and COVID-19 care. Education was remote and childcare of 10 or fewer was allowed. At this time, some state parks were open as well as fishing and golf, that is, only with the Illinois Department of Public Health's approved safety guidance. In terms of phase two, that meant that some restaurants were open for delivery, takeout, and drive through Did you order out frequently during the pandemic? I ordered out, yes. Not very frequently, but there were times where obviously, you know, you miss going out to dinner or simply getting takeout. And that's when I would usually order Uber Eats or delivery service. No, I tried to cook at home as much as I can, go to the store, and really avoid the restaurants. Yeah, just not trying to do that, not just for health reasons, but financially too. Phase three was focused on recovery. This is when COVID's hospital cases were stabilized or decreasing. Gatherings were still limited to 10 or less people. Travel was allowed under CDC and IDPH guidance. Remote learning for P-12 schools were still in effect. Some childcare and summer programs were still open. State parks opened up and groups of 10 or less were allowed with social distancing. Businesses started to reopen under the same guidelines. After that, we moved into phase three, which means retail stores were opening. Do you have a story about the first time going shopping since stores reopened? The first time that I stepped foot into a store when they reopened to the public was when I went to the cemetery to visit a loved one that had passed away. And I suddenly realized that it was my first time going into a Target specifically. And I went to pick up flowers for the grave. It wasn't until then that I realized Wow, this is my first time stepping into a store, not post-pandemic, but when the guidelines were lifted. It felt weird. You you have to be cautious, make sure everything's wiped down, sanitize your hands, and then get home and sanitize everything when you get home. During phase four, which was around June 2020, we moved into uh, less and less COVID infection rates. At this point, gatherings were now allowed a 50 people limit. Schools, summer programs, and childcare were open provided they followed the safety regulations. 
All outdoor recreation was allowed. Gyms, barbershops, salons, and spas were opened up, provided they followed the safety guidelines as well, places like cinemas. Moving into phase four, have you attended any events, concerts? Have you been to any bars or restaurants? Um, and how was your experience? Do you like how the restaurants accommodated the new guidelines? I didn't go out to dinner right away. I'm not sure if everyone's thought process was the same, but in my family, we lost quite a handful of people. So my precautions were maybe more than others. You know, I still wore my mask everywhere. I disinfected all of my groceries. When it came down to going out to dinner, I didn't go right away. But the first time that I did go, I did appreciate the fact that the guest capacity was kind of limited. Every other table was being used. We still had to wear our masks even when ordering. That was nice. Now, since everything has fully been to 100% capacity, I have actually gone out to a bar. It is still mind-boggling when you go out without a mask or you even go to a bar and everyone is dancing just like before. I understand that not everyone is vaccinated and to each their own, but it's still a little scary at some point. I don't know, it's just like nerve-wracking. Yeah, most of the restaurants were pretty observant of keeping customers apart everyone's still wearing a mask and you just took it off when you ate so i think that was handled okay phase five illinois restored so what's open now as of june 11th the state of illinois moved into what we know as phase five our final phase it has been a little over a month since then and i'm here to tell you what that means Phase five allows for all sectors of the economy to reopen. That means businesses, schools, and recreation resume normal operations. That is, with new safety guidance and procedures in place. And conventions, festivals, and large events can now take place. Now we're in phase five as of June 11th, so a little over a month ago. That means everything is back, economy is wide open. Have you traveled out of state? And what did that feel like for you for the first time? I actually traveled, I want to say a little over a month ago to North Carolina, and I did visit Tennessee as well. We drove I have not actually been on an airplane, but it is very different. Still in Illinois, I feel like we have some guidelines where if you're not vaccinated, you are still required to wear a mask or fully vaccinated. And I know not everybody follows those guidelines, but when it came to states like Kentucky, Tennessee, and North Carolina, nobody was wearing a mask at all. And it was honestly kind of a shock. You don't know what to do. And because the guidelines, like I said, kind of say, you are required to wear a mask if you're not vaxxed, but are not if you are vaccinated. It just puts you in a weird place. Like, where can I wear a mask? Where can't I wear a mask? Are others wearing masks? And I think right now you can't be too safe just because you're not going to be asking everyone that walks right by you like, hey, are you vaccinated? Why aren't you wearing your mask if you're not? So I think right now it's just kind of taking care of ourselves, even if everyone else doesn't. 
And what has brought you comfort in knowing that now the state of Illinois, we're in phase five? I feel like personally, what has brought me comfort is being vaccinated. I chose to get vaccinated for myself because of my very weak immune system. But then again, you know, with all the research and them saying that the vaccine only lasts six months, it still puts me on the edge knowing that I am still and can still get COVID at any point. I'm not like immune to it forever. So I don't know. It's it's kind of like I feel okay. I'm vaccinated, but how long will this last? And the fear of getting sick again is always there. We wanted to open up the floor to uh, to y'all to see what your experiences were like. And uh, starting off, for those of us who were in school, be it college or high school, in this past year, what did that look like for you? And how did you feel about it? I would say remote learning was definitely a challenge, um, making sure that I stayed on task with everything and not going on my phone or going to a different tab and doing something else. Um, but I think by the middle of the school year, I was starting to really adapt to remote learning. And I didn't really have a problem with it, but I've heard some students did have an bigger issue with remote learning yeah i had a similar experience uh for my classes that were remote i really found it easy to distract myself especially if it was a class where i really didn't like it like i didn't have a choice to take it didn't like the class and for the classes that i did have in person i did a lot better just being able to pay attention um doing my work on time it was a lot easier for me to focus and do well in that class I feel like the school year for me was like kind of like uncomfortable in the sense that at the beginning I did start off like all set up on a desk and like working but then over time I felt like this burnout and I would be distracted the majority of the time on my phone and I felt like I wasn't really learning anything I felt like they just kind of threw us the work to do and I just I ended up doing the work but I don't think I ever like learned anything this year. I can't really say what I learned, you know. Um, now talking about, like we said, uh, everything is open now. Um, how do you guys feel about large gatherings such as festivals and concerts? Um, not sure if anyone plans to attend any, but I can kind of talk about experience here. But, you know, moving towards the end of the phases, as some of you know, I go to school out of state and, um, you know, bars were open over there and it's very different. They weren't in phases, but it's so weird being out and seeing mostly everyone like without a mask or, you know, so many people in one public space that a year ago, we didn't have that, you know, there was very, very limited people. And, you know, I don't know if someone else wants to talk about their experience as well. Uh, I could. I uh, I do plan on going to a few concerts this year uh, near the end, like uh, Chicano Batman's coming. Um, I do want us to attend Ruido Fest and not just because I'm going to be there selling merch, you know, uh, for YOLO. Shout out YOLO. But that's something that like I really I really missed uh, the experiences of going to concerts or festivals was was really was really something special for me and so to to take that out of my out of my life it kind of it kind of sucks you know but I mean I'm looking forward to it and of course I'll wear a mask you know I'm 
you know, I'm not I'm not just throwing everything out the window here. Um, how about when it when you came to like public places for the first time after after uh, we started reopening? Did y'all feel anxious or or like how how have you learned to deal with it coming back? I would say um, that going to public places, I definitely missed it, but I'm not going to lie, staying at home um, for pretty much a year and basically with just me and my mom, and my grandma and like no one else really, it kind of like had a strain on my social skills. I'm not going to lie. And so when I finally got back um, and I went to the movies for the first time and I went to the park and stuff like that, um, you know, I felt I felt better because I wanted to really interact with people. But it's like it was still nerve wracking. I'm not going to lie. And it was still unusual to, you know, to see people with the mask and stuff like that. Um, but I would say, you know, I'm glad that things are opening now and um that I'm able to see um, family members now. Yeah, it's definitely very different. Like, I remember the first time I went to a store back home here, I wanted to leave. There were so many people, and I got used to, you know, being little to no people because there were so many restrictions, and there was a people limit and masks, and, you know, people will wear their masks, but wearing your mask under your nose isn't helpful you're basically not wearing your mask so then you have all the people that are wearing their masks like that and you know for me I did kind of have I would say minor panic attacks so um, the way I've learned to deal with it is kind of you know I'm doing my part I'm wearing my mask properly I'm maintaining six feet away and that's all I can do I'm doing the best I can and you know as long as I'm doing that even if others don't I think that's what matters. I feel you, Cynthia. When I when I started going out and like I guess some restrictions were taking off, I felt kind of uncomfortable seeing that like these people were wearing masks, right? But it was like under their nose or like they would kind of slightly take it off and have it like under their chin. And I don't know, that just kind of made me uncomfortable. And I'm like, I just I want to leave as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely weird and it taking some getting used to even now seeing some people completely not wearing masks but that is a conversation we'll have later on um so lastly have any of you guys traveled out of state you know since everything again our like 10th billion pandemic show how did you feel about you know traveling out of state well hi emmanuel um i did travel about i would say a month ago so that was late may I went to um, Miami, and uh, first of all, before TMZ went to get all riled up, we booked the trip a while back, so, you know, we weren't being all rebellious. We There was some complications, so I guess we had to take the opportunity to go to Miami. There was no other option, but it was definitely, like, a, a weird experience. First of all, we flew, so dealing with everything that was the airport and going on a plane that was you know uh, difficult in itself we did like uh, we're on a, like a tight little plane you know all sharing the same oxygen you know these people over here with no masks eating all crazy these babies screaming 
like it it was like oh like you have to have your mask all the time so you definitely felt a certain type of way being around all of these strangers especially with like my family of five we didn't all fit like on the same row so some of us were sitting next to strangers so it was about you know keeping your cleanliness uh your distance and being safe with one another and then when we were out there girl it's miami people they're not they're not wearing more than masks they're not wearing real clothes over there so it's like sanitation unknown so it was like definitely i had to be me and my family had to be as safe as possible when we were out there uh definitely keeping our distance keeping our mask on and if there was anything that was unnecessary you know just not not going for it or not doing it you know to be as safe as possible but we did go after all of us were vaccinated so i think that did give us a bit more security um emmanuel you said that you went right and like a lot of people didn't have masks did you ever get like weird stares for like wearing yours oof i mean (laughs) i don't know because chicago miami we're both city people but they're like a different kind of city breed like (laughs) you know they're like i said they ain't even wearing clothes to begin with so it's like a mask please they are trying to be as naked as possible they don't need no tan lines so yeah i definitely like they could tell we were from out like just the locals they that's just their environment they're not about like wearing they're not about the mask life and so people did walk past like ah these weird people and I'm like right back at you like y'all to wear ones not caring about the public health um well I'm Miles I also have traveled out of state recently currently out of state at the moment and it is a very it is a very different feeling especially getting on the plane because you have to wear your mask at all times. Even just taking it off to eat sometimes feels a little awkward because, you know, the flight attendants are constantly going back and forth trying to make sure that everybody's being safe. And it is really interesting. I took a trip to California and there is a lot of mask restrictions that have been lifted, of course. So going around the Navy Pier, no masks. You go just around LA, very few masks just people going through business to business for the most part they will always put their masks on when they go into a store they'll try to keep themselves clean but the second you go outside you do feel that kind of like a lot of the tension let go from people like being so secure about wearing their masks having to like point out to other people like hey what are you doing it's just a common thing there you just don't wear a mask anymore and it's starting to become a thing here so it's just it just takes a little getting used to and then flying by yourself is also an interesting thing within the pandemic because you have to make sure that you don't sit by the wrong person um i guess for both of you you both flew did any of you have karen like karens on the plane that refused to wear their masks i did see one person try to fight it but that was about it you know not me if i'm on a plane y'all wearing y'all masks and that's that that's that on that so not there was not very many people that were arguing I think and you know well definitely like the people coming from Miami you uh I mean coming from Chicago going to Miami I think we were all kind of on the same consensus of like wearing our masks a different story coming from Miami to Chicago but yeah well thank you everyone for giving us your point of view um please remember to stay safe wear a mask as we've said where it's required Don't forget your hand sanitizer. And lastly, be kind to each other. 
Remember, you're listening to What's Up on WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio with yet another pandemic show, and we'll be right back.
por Diosito negro, cielito lindo de contrabando. Ay, 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 canta y no llores, porque cantando se alegra el cielito lindo. One, two, one, two. Check it, check it. the word, word. Huh, yeah, huh. Woo. Turn on, turn on, turn on the radio On Saturdays from Twitter to y'all, y'all already know What I mean is, your little team gets back to work on another season With anti-fascist reason And the glow with the glow, what's up, what's up? Tune in to what's up, come on, hop on If you know what's up, we are fire with the melodies Music is my remedy, we on top of rarity The facts we be spitting, the beats we be bumping Dumb LP and LP, it's that lumping Chicago, YOLO Cali. And we are back. You're listening to What's Up on WLPN LP Chicago, 105.5 FM Lumpin' Radio, broadcasting from the comfort of our homes. And today's show is yet another pandemic episode. My name is Emmanuel, and now we are on the next segment of this radio show, talking all about public health. And I am here co-hosting with Nidia. Hello. Hey, Nidia, let's educate the children. So first of all, we're gonna speak a little bit about what a virus is and how exactly they're started. A virus is a small parasite that cannot reproduce by itself. Once it infects a susceptible cell, a virus can direct the cell machinery to produce more viruses. And as seen by the coronavirus, has the capability to create diseases. The two viruses that created COVID were coronavirus 2 or SARS-CoV-2. When the virus enters a host cell, it hijacks the cell by releasing its own genetic material. Most viruses have either RNA or DNA and proteins into the host. Due to virus cells not containing ribosomes, they are unable to create proteins, which does not give the capability of the virus to create more copies independently. It solely depends on its hosts, which are us. So in reality, the coronavirus needs us. So now let's discuss an important issue that many are facing with this new wave of vaccines. Unless you're living underneath a rock, we've all seen the huge controversy on social media and within our own communities about getting vaccinated or not. Some of us do, others of us don't. But how about when your own household is divided? What should we do as a young person that wants to get vaccinated, but our parents are against it or vice versa? According to Baltimore Sun, they stated, with many teenagers eager to get shots, they see an unlocking freedom denied during the pandemic. Tensions are crackling in homes, which parents are holding to a hard no. Why, though? Many parents worried about side effects and frightened by the news of the shots have held off from permitting their children to get them. And? Many say they will wait for long-term safety data or a protocol of a school mandate. With the wild debate going on with parents and their children not agreeing whether to get the vaccine, we asked several youth about their thoughts on the situation. What is your opinion on the COVID vaccine? Um, So my family has greatly suffered um, from um, COVID-19's aftermath of it, actually. Um, I have multiple family members who um, have neurological, um, 
who've had neurological and still have neurological like side effects um not side effects but you know like just um like uh like after goings of um having COVID-19 um and at least for, from my perspective like it was really stressful to manage school and manage taking care of them and their mental state of being um but I've managed to do that uh, my opinion on the COVID vaccine is pretty simple if folks want to get the vaccine then they should uh for folks that don't feel comfortable getting it I feel they should have the same um freedom of not to get it I personally um, found it kind of odd that a vaccine of this magnitude was only developed in less than a year and the flu vaccine was took multiple years to develop so that was kind of like a red flag for me um, but that's my opinion on the on the vaccine are you or your family or friends vaccinated yet yes I am and I have been for like the past like couple months uh, me and my wife are vaccinated my parents and siblings are not um, and most of my friends are vaccinated what is your parents view on getting the vaccine um so my parents view um they they actually both come from um having the both american and peruvian experience um peru the i mean there were barely any vaccines and people were dying really quickly because of like the delta variant no the brazilian variant sorry and in the u.s of course situation was a little bit more it was it was different and it was a little bit better, but it wasn't as extreme. So they were really eager to get the vaccine as quickly as possible because because we were just so unsure and all of that. But also because like of like our experience with like um, multiple family members who have had like different like effects of like af- like the aftermath of COVID. Like like their experience just made us like more wary of like how you know we want to approach the vaccine. So what are your parents or community's views on getting the vaccine? Uh, they differ and vary. Um, I would say they're split in half. Uh, half of my family and friends are like, heck no, don't put that in your body. You're going to die in 10 years. And then the other half is just like, no, it's been good for me. Um, you know, take the vaccine. It'll be healthy in the long run. Um, so I get, a, you know, a mixed, uh, a mixed um, review from family and friends. And then the last question is, uh, why do you think your parents or community have those views? Um, so my parents have these views because um, we are, you know, of course, you know, we share two cultures. We share two experiences. We share the American and the Peruvian experience, you know, or more, more in general, like the Latin American experience or South American, whatever it is that you want to <laughs> describe it as. But um, since our family in Peru has greatly suffered from COVID-19, um, you know, that's, and we saw kind of like what happened to many of our family members who have died of it. Um, and many of our family members in the U.S. who have also died of it. Um, that's kind of where our views come from, right? From our experiences with like this, with this virus and how everything kind of, you know, like, and how everything just kind of like came to be. I think for my family and the community that I live in or that, um, that I grew up in, which is the Belmont Craig community, it's just out of fear, basically. Um, they don't necessarily trust the government or they don't trust, uh, you know, putting something in their body that has one not been approved by the FDA or, um, by the majority of, you know, like scientists and stuff. So one, one is like fear. Um, and there's no really other reason. It's just based off of fear from the government or, you know, just being skeptical of putting a vaccine in your body.
But why do you feel this way, yet our community is not getting the vaccine? To start from the beginning, let's talk about where COVID originally started. According to medical news, scientists began work on COVID-19 vaccine in January 2020. Dedicated vaccine funding helped move vaccine candidates through the preclinical clinical assessments and trials both quickly and thoughtfully. In six months instead of typical two years, the vaccine was mass produced before the clinical studies were complete to save time. As said by Medical News Daily, vaccine development is an arduous process taking about 10 to 15 years on average to accomplish. But with the imminent worries surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic putting unprecedented pressure on the healthcare system and economies, measures needed to be put in place. Southside Weekly reports from June 2021 shows the vaccination rates of the South and West Side versus the rest of the city, showing the disparity in white communities compared to Black and Brown communities. Mayor Lori Lightfoot and the Chicago Department of Public Health announced a plan to prioritize 15 vulnerable neighborhoods for COVID-19 vaccines, including many neighborhoods on the south and west side of Chicago, including North Lawndale, La Vilita, and Back of the Yards. According to Southside Weekly, wealthier zip codes on the north side were in the 10 to 20% fully vaccinated range, while the rest of Chicago remains under 10%. And girl, that is just from the earlier stages of the pandemic. So moving on to open the discussion with the rest of our team, why is our community still not taking our vaccines, even after the distribution of vaccines in our local neighborhoods? Um, I think it's for a lot of reasons. You know, I feel as though one of the things that we saw a lot was people saying like, we're not going to be guinea pigs for science. You know, they come after black and brown communities and they want to use us, basically. I think there's also studies that showed that, what, 100 years ago when the other last pandemic hit, they kind of did the same thing. And I feel like that brought this pandemic and the vaccines kind of into light. And that's why our community, some people, perhaps maybe the older generations, want to hold off and, you know, like they're saying, they don't want to be the test trials just so they can figure it out. And, you know, they're not testing on animals, but they're testing, they're basically testing on humans. Okay. I I understand why so many people are hesitant to get the vaccine because I think anyone with, with a healthy amount of, of skepticism or, or distrust in the government could imagine that the type of things that could be in the, you know, in the vaccine, like there's really no way for, for a person without, you know, without the knowledge of, of how to test for that, you know, would, would know what's, what's in it exactly. So, uh, and, and of course the history of black and brown communities being oppressed in, in multiple ways, you know, like governments, their governments being destabilized or something you know what i mean like there's a lot of sinister stuff that that the that the us government has done to keep people in uh in oppression or in control so i could understand why you wouldn't want to inject your body with that yeah i definitely understand why a lot of people get scared i mean you don't really know what's in there like august said but even then i feel like it's also a lot of the conspiracy theories 
tend not to help, especially if it's people who aren't necessarily informed or trying to inform themselves. They just kind of rely on other people, the information that they're giving from others. And I mean, there's some crazy stuff out there. Like people say, oh, it's like they're trying to microchip us. It's just kind of weird to me. It's like, no, I don't think there's really any way for them to microchip you with a needle that small. This is all really weird to me. Yeah, there's I, there's some understanding for why you might be scared. But on the other hand, you know, maybe it's there is a better option if you really want to get back to normal living. Um, I to expand on that, also coming from a different type of community, uh, the people there don't really trust vaccines, either partially because of political reasons or because they don't think that they're just safe in general. Although a lot of vaccines are already tested and have gone through various trials, some of them are very skeptical. And where I live, there's a lot of nurses and a lot of medical professionals who their children have essentially grown to have a slight distrust in vaccines. They think that they should wait about six or seven months after distribution has gone through to see if there's any extra side effects that may not have popped up during testing. And that is definitely present in some people that I know but it's almost like a scare when they actually do get COVID and this whole time they have access to the vaccine, but they don't take it. Because while the vaccine may have hidden like problems that may come into effect later on, or maybe it's a bad batch, it is still safer more or less for your own personal health, whether you're young or older, to probably at least inform yourself on the vaccine, but also take it. Because once you actually have it, there are various precautions, methods that can be performed if something does pop up. And there's also such a very unlikely chance that you'll have a bad vaccine or a mutation that it's not as big of a worry that you should base your entire opinion on it after one or two few cases. And the next question for you all would be, do you think that the new younger generations are more open-minded about vaccines? I think younger generations are more open-minded to getting a vaccine because i feel like i think for the most part a good majority of us actually do research you know i think we look online a lot and then when it comes to older generations and you ask them like oh are you getting the vaccine and they say no i'm not you kind of ask them why and they don't really have like a response to say you know it feels like they it feels like they listen to one news outlet or they kind of come up with their own theories of like the vaccine you know yeah, I I can definitely agree with that. I feel like young people are definitely a lot more informed, which is why they're most likely more open to getting the vaccine in the first place. Whereas a lot of younger generations might have <laughs> might have a, a harder time looking for information um, or just getting access to information. So either they hear it from word of mouth or they just come up with their own information. Of course, I think there's still people from our generation who still have a hard time being convinced to get the vaccine but i think for a majority of us we want to get the vaccine either because we trust it or simply just because we want to go outside again get back to normal living now that we are starting to see stores restaurants and public spaces allowing people with vaccines to optionally use their mask it has sparked a new issue about the past trauma and social pressure of going through a pandemic, whether or not people feel comfortable taking their masks off. According to new guidelines by the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, 
fully vaccinated Americans don't need to wear a mask, even indoors, except in crowded settings like airplanes, buses, and healthcare facilities. Evidence has been found from the research grid that altruism, free riding, and bandwagoning were significant motivators for vaccination acceptance against a contagious disease in a hypothetical research study setting. In contrast, empirical evidence of vaccination creating peer pressure rather than free riding has been found by other researchers in discrete choice experiment setting. So now we're going to have an open discussion about this topic. How do you all feel about wearing your mask right now, even after vaccination? Any social pressure or anxiety? I can, sorry, I can go ahead. I'm going to tell you guys something. Don't tell anybody. I went into a public space on Sunday without a mask. I know, I know. Trust me, trust me, I know. Okay, but l- l- listen, 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 okay? we. I went into a taco place, okay? And there was two other people sitting down. Literally, two other people. I was the third person. And they were on opposite ends of the restaurant. And, you know, I walked it there. So I was outside. So I didn't wear my mask because nobody was out. And then I was walking in and everyone, like I said, opposite ends of the restaurant. The girl was wearing her masks and like I did not stand close to the counter. I still kind of was like, "Mm." but it let me tell you, I don't think I'll be doing that again. Not a fun experience. It wasn't because of pressure or anything, but I am fully vaccinated. And like I said, there was little to no people in there. But the other day, I also went out to another store and I was like, I cannot do this again. I put my mask on and I was like, "Mm -mm, nope, can't catch you without a mask. I can agree with what you're saying, Cynthia, because I feel like, you know, a few months ago, it was kind of like we were split into these two groups, you know, like um, vaxxers and non-vaxxers, you know, who who chose to get vaccinated or not. And now even there's like subcategories now at this point, it's like the people who are vaccinated, but choose to wear the mask and not wear the mask. Um, and I think not only does it have to do with, you know, this anxiety of like, you know, we're going outside and there's a social pressure of everyone around me is wearing is wearing the mask and we just want to like fit in or with the crowd, you know, not seem like some like outcast or like we're rebelling against like blah or to the point where even like I see people making it political, like, oh, you wearing a mask is like a political statement. Like, I mean, earlier stages of a pandemic, totally. But I mean, I don't know. It, it's like this weird middle ground where it's like, I don't know how to feel. For me personally, um, I do wear my mask when I go out. I am vaccinated and I still choose to wear a mask, even sometimes double mask. Um, you know, I'm going, going shopping, you know, wear the mask, you know, at all times. Uh, I even go to church on Sunday. I have, praise Jesus, Lord. Um, and they are at full capacity now. And it's optional. It used to be mandatory to wear the mask. And at this point, it's optional by the Archdiocese of Chicago to not have to sanitize and when entering and optional to have no mask if vaccinated. And everybody in that building is fully masked. They're like, oh, no. And then even like the ushers on the outside, even though they're not, I guess not technically allowed to tell them to put their masks on, like there'd be the little old ladies are we allowed to take our masks off? And they'd be like, no, mm-mm, chopped. Y'all got to put your masks on. Then again, to be very honest, the ushers are um, my parents, my mom, and my dad. But, you know, uh-uh, that, that's, that's tired. Better put the mask on. Thank you. Mask up. 
Uh, and same for my dance practice. I think that's where it gets a little like uh, blurred lines because my dance studio, I, I dance uh, by Le Folklore and they say you're allowed to not wear your mask when dancing or in the studio. And it's like, girl, exercising with that mask, that's a doozy. That's hard. Moving all crazy in this cramped studio is high. So, you know, sometimes it, if it happens to slip off and it falls, it's like, oh, I can't stop dancing. I guess I just have to keep dancing without it on. The show but yeah, must go to be, on. Yes. And so to be very honest, I do take it off sometimes, but because I'm so comfortable with being vaccinated, but I think that's where it gets kind of dangerous because we've heard stories where people who are vaccinated can carry it themselves and then spread it to those still vulnerable that aren't vaccinated. And that's where it's tricky and it's problematic. So at this point, I'm masking up out of empathy for others and caring about my community. Wearing your mask isn't about protecting yourself, protecting yourself. It's about protecting others because really it's about protecting the stopping anything from getting past your mask versus something getting in so I don't mask for myself I'm fully vaccinated but I mask for my community and for my family Period. I feel like the misconceptions go for not only for people who wear the mask but also the people who don't wear the mask um like you were imagining Emmanuel like when people aren't wearing their mask then people automatically assume that they're Republican and then when people are wearing their mask everybody's like oh then they're probably you know, hardcore Democrat or something like that. So I think the like, I have like certain boundaries for myself, at least if I'm walking to the park by myself, I'm not going to put a mask on because there's no one around me. So I'm outside, I'm in the park. I'm, and if there's usually where the park where I'm at, there's usually not a lot of kids there. And so it, like, some stuff is just like logical for me to not put the mask on. Like, I'm trying to think of another situation. Like, if I'm eating outside on my balcony or something like that, it doesn't really make sense to put it on. And then I guess something that, like, I've been thinking about also is if we, you know, wear our mask and then even when we're, like, given the chance to take them off, you know, at, at what point, like, do we finally say, you know, like, it's okay now, you know? Because now we're given the the opportunity to take them off. I'm vaccinated and I sometimes do take the opportunity to take it off because I'm I'm vaccinated. And I think that because I'm with my family members who are also vaccinated, that it's safe for us to be around each other. I guess me missing my family a lot and not seeing them for like a year really affected me personally. So I have those certain boundaries for myself you know, if I go to a public place and I don't obviously feel comfortable, then I'll, you know, put it on. Or if it's required to, then I'll put it on. I'm not going to make a fuss. I'm not going to fight about it. But if I feel if I feel fine, if I'm outside doing my daily life, not going into any stores or, you know, really crowd settings, then I I don't put my mask on because that's the whole reason that I also got vaccinated. And I will say one thing about the masks uh, could also be just generally a lot of Asian cultures, especially when someone is sick, they try to be mindful about the other people around them. So they'll wear masks and it's just a very different culture 
in other places where wearing a mask isn't seen as like a sim like symbolism. It's just I'm wearing a mask because I'm sick and I don't want to get other people sick. That's never been a thing here. And personally, I do enjoy actually wearing masks from time to time, especially in the winter where, you know, my face gets cold. So I like wearing a mask, but for all the years that I've been going to school, if I show up to the bus or I show up to school in a mask, they're going to think I'm weird and I get a lot of flack for it. But during the pandemic, I'm hoping that we're going to come out of this to where masks are more acceptable. So if you're sick and you still need to go somewhere, you can wear a mask to, you know, avoid spreading whatever disease that you're carrying around with you. So like, I don't want to catch your cold. Sorry, that's your problem. But yeah, I just feel that there should be a better consensus on masks are not just a symbol for something. They're also just generally used for safety. But something I've started to notice and started listening, at least around me, is because we're so used to the mask, when we go into public settings or, you know, um, we don't have our mask on in public settings, more people are getting sick, actually because we haven't been around each other for a while. So now there's like different, not Corona, and I'm not saying like a, a global pandemic virus, but there's different viruses going out now because we haven't been around, we haven't been interacting with people. So now it's different for our bodies. And now our body isn't used to combating such infections and um, viruses now, because we, again, we haven't been around people. So that's just another thing that I found interesting too. This is the end of our first hour for yet another pandemic show. The second show is season 17 of What's Up on WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, broadcasting from the comfort of our homes. We'll be right back.
Hello, you're listening to What's Up on WLPN LP Chicago, 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, broadcasting from the comfort of our homes. And this is yet another pandemic show. My name is Emmanuel. And I'm Nidia. And in the past hour, we've heard a bit about what has happened post-pandemic from our personal lives and public health, and continuing our conversation on the current state of healthcare in the city, we'd like to introduce an interview we did with Benjamin Salazar, an anesthesiologist on the west side of the city and southern suburbs. Today, we have a wonderful opportunity to speak with a healthcare worker. Hello, Benjamin. Hey, hey guys, and good morning. Could you just describe for us a little bit about what your job is and what it looked like throughout the pandemic? I'm an anesthetist. What I do is I'm the guy who's going to make sure that you're sleeping during surgery and who's going to make sure that you wake up after surgery is done. So that's my job. Pretty much like during the pandemic, we were the ones like intubating these patients or extubating these patients. And are hospitals and clinics still heavily focused on COVID-19 or... How are, how's the state of hospitals right now as of July, 2021? It is getting better than it was before. Last year, around this time, I think it was like the second wave. And I remember that we had like five or six different like COVID areas, not just the ICU, but like step down areas became ICU areas because we had so many COVID patients. Now it's a little bit different. Uh, we still have like one section of the hospital that is assigned to COVID patients. But for what we see right now, those patients are more stable. We still have a few, but it's not as bad as it was before. Right now, we're allowing family members to see other patients. Somebody has surgery, now we allow one or two people or family members to be with them like before or after surgery. Uh, we didn't do that like during the pandemic. So I think that's a positive change right now. How has the rollout of new COVID vaccines been like? Uh, I got my first shot in December. The first three months where the vaccine was available, like you had like lines of people waiting for the vaccine. You had like people calling the hospital to be like, hey, like I know you have like X amount of vaccines that you have to open right now. And as the months went by, like right now, like we don't see lines of people, like the, the small area that we had to like vaccinate people that are empty right now. Uh, maybe because the vaccine is so available right now that you can go to like Walgreens or you can go like Target, you can get it there. At this point, since COVID is not like the main topic right now, like people who are not vaccinated don't feel that they need to, back, to get vaccinated. I feel like at this point in Illinois, like 60% of the older people are the ones who got it, but we still have 40% who hasn't. And I feel that if those 40% didn't get it at the beginning, most likely you're not going to get it now. Yeah, that makes sense because I guess the concern about the virus has kind of like gone up and down throughout the year. Yes. You know, it, everybody was really scared at the beginning of the year and then everybody mm-hmm. was like trying to adapt. And then now, in Chicago, at least, Lollapalooza is opening up this year. Oh, yeah. Um, so a lot of stuff is undergoing its way to finally to become opened. Yeah. People are getting that sense of normalcy now that, like, if you don't feel that this is an issue anymore, like, you don't have that motivation to go and get vaccinated. So I feel that people who really wanted to get vaccinated already got vaccinated months ago when the vaccines were available. As an adult, I feel that more adults were more open to the idea they get vaccinated themselves. 
But then when you, when an adult has to choose for their kids, I think it's going to be more challenging now. And leading to the next question on why people aren't getting vaccinated, what are your thoughts on the ongoing rumors about the vaccine? The concerns are real. Like, I have heard many ideas that the vaccine was developed too soon. People are going to be afraid of new things. And I feel that the more they see that people get vaccinated and nothing happens, the more they're going to be open to get the vaccine. But so far, you know, people who got vaccinated are doing great. Uh, the side effects only last a couple of days. The number of COVID cases have gone down. The number of COVID patients who got positive, they're, they're not as sick as the ones they were before. So the vaccine is working. Does it mean that everyone is going to get a vaccine? No. You know, you're going to have people who can, you can show them all the evidence and they're not going to get it. And what are your thoughts on the different options that there is for vaccines, specifically Johnson & Johnson, because I know that one has been the most <laughs> controversial. Yeah, here in the U.S., the FDA has approved only three, Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson. If you think about it, like any medication has side effects. You can go to the bottle of aspirin and the side effects, you'll see like, oh, the risk after taking aspirin can include like headaches, diarrhea bleeding, that medication that you take are going to have side effects. For the vaccine, this is not going to be the case as well. Yes, like a few months ago, a few people developed blood clots. But if you compare the number of people who got the vaccine to the no number of people who got blood clots and the number of people that die, like the num it's like that margin is really minimal. So more people have died of side effects of Tylenol than from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And at this point of the pandemic, what is your biggest concern as a nurse? People thinking that things are going back to normal. And we like it or not, like when people say that, yes, like the vaccine was developed too fast, it is true. If we think about it, like right now at this moment, we're still part of that experiment. You know, like the vaccine was like before it became public, it was tested in X amount of people. So now like we're seeing how the vaccine will help a bigger population. Now people like, like you said, Lulapalooza coming back, all these like big festivals coming back, quinceañeras, weddings, like all, all the things that we didn't do last year, we're doing it now. And, and like, even I feel that COVID's still here. Not everybody's vaccinated. Uh, the vaccine will, sh will give you some protection, but it's not a hundred percent sure. Uh, we still have to take some precautions, especially if you are in the, on the population risk. Moving on to the next question, could you tell us a bit about the Delta variant? Virus and bacteria evolve all the time. That's how they've been, been able to survive for thousands, for millions of years. Every year people get the flu shot and every year like the, the flu virus evolves. So that's going to be the same case for for COVID-19. Research has shown that people who got any of the Moderna, Pfizer, or Johnson & Johnson vaccines, they have some protections against the uh, Delta variant. Now we need to see how people who got vaccinated, how resistant they are to the Delta variant. You know, like it might be, it is possible that people who got the vaccine might not be 100% protected. But so far, the vaccine have been shown effectivity against the Delta variant. So I would say that the biggest reason that we are 
um, you know, doing this radio show and doing our segment specifically is because we're looking to educate and inform youth about vaccines, how to get them, where to get them. People have their phones, you know, like people, and I feel that when it comes to you guys, you guys are more into social media. You guys can spread the word faster than we old people <laughs> can. You guys have the biggest resource. Like you, when you talk to your friends, when you guys, now that you guys like, go back to see your friends in your friends' houses, talk to the adults. Hey, like you get the vaccine, why not? What are, wh why, if they got it, good. But if they didn't get it, like what are their fears, you know? As we, we're beginning to close interview. So thank you for your hard work as a healthcare worker. We're really appreciative of your service, as well as thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Oh, thank you guys. Like I said, you guys have a job to spread the word, and I feel that you guys are doing a good job. Keep it up. You just listened to an interview with Benjamin Salazar, an anesthesiologist in the city of Chicago. And now after this long discussion about COVID, vaccines, masks, and so much more, here's some information about where you can get your vaccine. According to the Cook County Public Health website, the vaccine is free and you do not need to be insured to receive a vaccine. As well as there is no out-of-pocket fee. Vaccination testing sites in the city of Chicago are found on the Cook County Public Health website, cookcountypublichealth.org. Or you can go to your local Walgreens, Walmart, CVS, and Drew Losco to receive it or get more information about it. Go get your vaccine. Hello, you're listening to What's Up on WLPNLP Chicago, 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. Broadcasting from our homes, you're here with me, Miles. And Jennifer. And Adrian. And today we'll be talking about school and how COVID has affected students and how the post-pandemic effects students around the nation are facing now. So, quick uh, group discussion. How do you feel? Is hybrid or in-person better for this upcoming school year? Oh, um, in my opinion, I feel like I feel like in person would be better because I feel like this past year it's taken like a big toll on like students like being home all day and trying to learn. But I feel like we're not really learning, you know. Um, in my opinion, I am my school's returning to all in person, but this year we had hybrid and I think Jennifer mentioned earlier, not that I felt like I didn't learn anything. But I had astronomy. I, I don't know what the hell I did. I passed. But, you know, can't tell you about the stars. Can't tell you about Pluto. I don't know. Um, versus my classes that I did have in person, which were a bit of the more important ones. Um, this was my junior year. So, you know, my higher level, my 300, 400 classes, those were in person. But I did have a good mix. I feel like some classes were bearable and I could grasp information through Zoom but I'm very excited to go back to fully in person. Um, I just graduated as a senior in high school. And at the beginning of the pandemic, it was completely virtual. But then midway through the school year, 
they opened it up for optional hybrid to go for some days in person, some days virtual. A lot of us did choose to completely remain virtual, but I, from what I've heard and seen, a lot of like the in-person organization was so, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like the organization was lacking. It was like, they expected 500 students to come in and out of the building within like an hour. And there was no time for sanitization. There was not enough time for students to get back home from being in person all the way back home to finish the rest of their classes virtual. Girl to CTA, don't, don't be running so fast like that. So it's like, it was pretty disorganized. So for this school year, I'm also in college. And I was able to stay on campus, but I feel like a lot of opportunities were taken away just in classes in general. Like there was a lot of classes where the professors had originally planned stuff for us to do in the class that we couldn't do either because the classes is virtual or we couldn't do it because base wise we weren't allowed to. Like for one of my classes, we were supposed to go to uh, Statesville prison. It was for one of my criminal justice classes, but we couldn't go because the prison wasn't allowing us to, and there wasn't enough space for us to be able to get back and forth for the 28 students that were there. In another class, we were supposed to do some kind of experiment, too, that we couldn't do because, again, space-wise. Not even just that. I feel like hybrid learning also just didn't let me kind of absorb the information. It was weird. Like, in person, like I feel like that information just kind of stays with me but learning from a computer just did not help me at all especially like with math and other classes where it's a little more intensive yeah if I could jump in there Adrian I totally agree I know I had mentioned before that I don't know if you felt like this but maybe because everything is coming off a screen but one of my classes I literally felt like it was a podcast and I'd like set my laptop I'd clean my like Tuesdays Thursdays I would clean my room during class. I knew what he was teaching. I knew the material. I could do it all. It was a 300 level class, but I just, it's so different. And I feel like even the professor's vibes, I guess you could say, are off. Like they miss the in-person interaction just as much as we do. And their teaching styles are even affected because how, how can you possibly engage and teach your students through a screen? Yeah, I think, I think it was the same for me. Like, one like again my criminal justice class that one was split between us being there in person on one day and us being on the computer one day and it was just two completely different classes it felt like like when we were there in person the professor seemed a little more happy that we were there um that we were actually in front of her that she was able to give us a bit more instruction and i felt like i was able to get more of that information from her um but when we were on the computer it was just there was constant distraction i guess like, I would be like, oh, there's this to do, there's that to do. So I would just kind of be listening with one ear and then the other ear I'd be doing something else. Um, so I wasn't giving my full attention to the class. But it was usually because there was always something else for me to do. Yeah, distractions are endless. I lived with, at the beginning of the school year, I lived with seven other people. So there's eight of us total. Imagine all of us hybrid and like four of us having class at the same time. And there's like two of us at the dining room table, two of us in the kitchen, the other four have to get ready for their in-person class. Like someone's taking a shower and my camera's on, then I have to turn it off because someone's coming out the shower and someone's cooking. And 
it is so much. I think hybrid presented us with so many challenges that we never expected. And, you know, if I'm not mistaken, it was your first year. Yeah. yeah. So I know you were probably robbed of so many experiences. I think a lot of people's first years are, I wouldn't say memorable. I think most of college is memorable, but you know, there's a lot of experiences, I'm sure. Even, I'm not sure about your school, but, like, we have certain traditions that our school does, like, 100-plus-year traditions that, obviously, we couldn't experience because we were hybrid. But we're going all in person, so I'm pretty excited. I don't know how you guys are doing it. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure we're in person. I think they were talking about, like, requiring people to get the vaccine. That's what most of the professors seem to be uh, talking about like towards the end of the school year when they were talking about the vaccines and it seems like we're getting a little bit back to normal there was a couple stuff again like you said there's traditions that they do stuff that they do every year that they couldn't do simply because well covid there was the six foot all that kind of stuff like that no people crowded into one space like uh, normally they'll have homecoming instead they did food trucks which wasn't so bad <laughs> there was food everywhere so it was pretty nice i'm not complaining but I feel like things are going to return a little bit more back to normal this year now that there's people that are vaccinated. Um, restrictions are a little looser, but I suppose that also depends on the county. Actually, I think that would actually take us into our next discussion about college during and after the primary phases of COVID. So a lot of graduating students were feeling like they weren't fully prepared to enter college. Either graduating seniors weren't necessarily getting the information that they felt they needed or people going into college like myself just didn't feel fully prepared to enter college. I think honestly, I got a little lucky myself just because I had my aunt who kind of knew what was going on. She was kind of able to tell me and my mom too. She was able to tell me a little bit about what she kind of experienced. But other than that, I feel like there was a lot of students that just work at a loss because they're first-gen students or their parents had never kind of gone through that same process. Emmanuel and Jennifer, I know you guys uh, just graduated. You guys are going into college. Do you guys feel like you guys are prepared for going into college? Like your high school fully prepared you? No, no, absolutely not. Like, no, man. Gonna... no, man. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, I feel like I'm slowly like trying to like fulfill this task list so that I know I'm prepared for it. But even then, it still feels like I'm not prepared at all. You know, I don't know how Emmanuel feels, you know, how your school was like guiding you guys through like um, college applications, um, orientations, blah, 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 you know. Girl, I didn't even speak to my counselor not once all through senior year. <laughs> Better yet, I didn't even know Miss Thing's name because she got married over the summer or something and she had a baby and then she got divorced and then she got another baby daddy and I don't know what happened. So there, I didn't even know her name at that point. I never heard from her. It was always a matter of me going to reach out to her because I think we can all relate. We had to fend for ourselves and do everything ourselves. I went about doing my applications, my FAFSA, my everything myself. Luckily, I was blessed to have the resources, the individuals around me, just everything that I needed and to be able to, you know, do that. One of the most important things for modern students nowadays, you know, you need to go to college and get a degree in something to do anything at this point. So it's like, not only are we just in this 
society where we feel like we have to pursue this higher education, but we're not even given the support to back that up. Now, uh, and, you know, it's not the teacher's job to, you know, be there for us when it comes to, you know, that's the college administ- the college administrator, the counselor, but, you know, my counselor is not even reaching out to me and my, my teachers are also not supporting me to reach out and, you know, tell the students if we needed any help. You know, it would have been great if my English teacher could have helped me with my essay, but no, they were unluckily not there. Why? Because they themselves weren't given the resources to support their own students and their own academics last year. So it was just, mm-mm. I as a senior do not feel prepared for what's to come. But then again, I think I'm a little different because I specifically am going to an art school. So I have that, you know, I guess you could say passion backing me up. I, I, I know what I want, but I think for a lot of us, that's not the case. We're going to a community college to, you know, any other sort of university undecided and confused because it's what, what we think we should be doing, but there's really nobody else telling, telling us anything else besides that. Yeah, I can definitely agree on that. Um, on that feeling personally, I've sort of felt a little at a loss, even with the help, um, just because there was other stuff that our counselors wanted us to do. But whenever you ask them questions, they'd answer like two, three, four or five days later. And it'd be like, I'd be I'd get scared by the alert because I'm like, who emailed me now? Who sent me a message now, like five days later? And then I'd see and I'd say, oh, it's a counselor. It's a little it's a little late now, but thank you. <laughs> Yeah, even right now, my college is asking for my high school's transcripts. They're not there to help me. I have been waiting for a month now, and I barely got it. (laughs) And on top of that, there's still like so many things that I need from my high school that it's like, oh, everyone's out for the summer. Nobody's working. It's like, who am I supposed to go to? Yeah, and I feel like it is a lot of like the counseling department for the schools. I I understand that there's like a lot of people that need help. But at the same time, it's like maybe the school should be able to or should try bringing in a few more counselors or finding some outside resources for the students through the school system just in case they need help. Because like I said, there was like it's like at my school, there was like three counselors for like, I want to say 500 students. And some of the time the counselors weren't like they're just kind of chatting up with the students. And I'd be sitting there like while we were actually in squad, we kind of sitting there waiting, you know, I'm trying to get some help so I can get all this college stuff done but you know i i guess i got it done eventually you know nothing went in late there was a lot of struggles for a lot of students um just students struggled to apply for school to apply for classes in general and the craziest thing is that a lot of students despite the fact that they were staying at home they still got charged the full tuition price um, that you would if you were staying in school, which a lot of students felt like was a crazy thing. They should have gotten charged less, considering that they were just staying at home. And another thing is that a lot of students got charged for access to school materials. Even myself, I got charged in the tuition price. Like the professor even told us, like, you guys are still paying for this to access for some program for one of my math classes. I don't know if you guys kind of had a similar experience with any class like that, anything like that, that you guys are getting charged extra? I don't think I got charged extra for anything. Our school was 
pretty flexible when it came to if you're at home, you're not getting charged for room and board. If you're at school, obviously you have to pay room and board. But we did also get, um, I want to say the CARES Act. Then we got a little bit of money back. But even then, if you're paying for school, that went straight to your school account. But definitely, I feel as though oftentimes we get charged for, like you said, books or I want to say like experiences, but like that we don't even use. And it's kind of like, why? (laughs) There's no reason for that. Girl, on top of that, the teacher that did talk about college at my school, he was all like, you know, guys, college, what a great time in your life, you know, take as many classes as you guys want, you know, unimaginable classes, even if it's stuff you don't know about, take it, the the opportunities, the things you'll learn. Girl, he was an, he is an older, rich white man saying this statement to like this group of like low income black and brown students. We don't have the luxury to be taking no class on butterflies and no, none of that, let alone even thinking about going to college because that is insanely expensive. And I think what will be interesting to see is I think a lot of us seniors questioned, you know, even going to college or like waiting until things open up back up, you know, to get our money's worth at minimum. But it's like, I wonder if a lot of students did choose to, you know, hold up until, or there's also, you know, all the students that dropped out during the pandemic, but specifically those students that are waiting till things open back up to go back to schools. I wonder what it's going to look like for institutions and universities when they get this mass rush and pile of students that are, you know, trying to, to go to their, to their school. Yeah. I feel like a lot of professors are going to be kind of overwhelmed at first. Uh, just having such a large volume of students, whereas like I think this year there was a couple of classes where I had like six people in there, where normally I know the professor said there was like 25, 30 people in there. So I feel like it's going to be like shocking for them to actually be able to kind of see that volume of students once again in their classroom right in front of them. So remember, you're listening to what's up on wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio broadcasting from the comfort of our homes and today's show is another pandemic episode and we'll be right back after a break
And we are back again with another pandemic episode. We're going to be talking about the madness of online school during COVID. Many students did not learn during this time. And I want to know how you guys felt during all that. Well, speaking from my experiences, uh, online schooling was very inefficient in the way that there was no real structure going into it. Especially for me and a lot of my friends, we play video games a lot. So when we have to go to online school, we're on the same computers that we play games with. So for a lot of us, what we would do is that if we're in class and we already like know what, what they're teaching or we're just not interested really, because uh, either the teacher is not really used to the online format, a lot of the times they'll play games with the teacher in the background. So for the most part, it is hard to really keep track of students because you students will also learn ways to make it look like they're paying attention while well, in reality they're playing games. I know one of my friends has a really good poker face when it comes to like looking at class. So then they will casually go over to the keyboard whenever they hear notes to make it look like they're typing up something. That or because a lot of my professors and teachers would record their classes, what they would do is play games during the day, go back, listen to the recordings, take their notes, and then still be ready for the test when all they have to do is flip through their notebook and copy and paste the answers onto the test. Yeah, honestly, it, I don't know, man. Online school was so, I feel like I've talked a lot this section with this, but like today as well, you know, I woke up with a migraine. I suffer from a lot of migraines and increased screen time did not help me at all. It actually made my migraines worse to the point where second semester came around and professors started asking in the syllabus, like, please let me know of anything that could impact your learning. And I had to tell them, I get migraines. And with hybrid learning, I get migraines more frequently. That can last 24 hours. That can last three to five days. That impacts me. I can't get out of bed. I can't stare out my screen that means I can't really do my homework I can't read on my computer I can't go outside because the sun hurts you know it's so many things so many factors that come into play and you know my health is getting worse because of this and it's impacting my learning ability and my performance ability which like it sucks a lot it got so bad that towards spring semester I did have to tell all my professors like look this is what I deal with And like, I promise you, it's not an excuse for work. You can look at the type of student I am. This is just what I I have to deal with now because of online learning. I feel you, Cynthia. I don't get migraines, but I remember very early on when I was trying to get used to like, you know, staring at a screen for like around seven hours at a time. My, I have very sensitive eyes and my eyes would water so bad. It looked like I was crying and they would just shut by themselves and it just (laughs) I would lay trying to like turn off all the lights in my room while my class was still there you know on my on my laptop and I'd shut my eyes because it hurt so bad and it eventually did get better but that was probably one of the biggest struggles that I have sometimes even now with trying to do like remote learning but yeah like I, there was a lot of stuff to distract myself. Usually like my phone was right next to me. So if I was like in class and like someone sent me a message, be like, oh, what, where are they looking? And then I'd, the professor would kind of just be talking in the background. 
either that or I would just kind of like space out completely just from the class because it was like there was no one directly in front of me like when usually when it's like an actual person in front of me like I don't tend to space out but like with the people just being on the computer screen it felt like it was a little easier for that to happen I just lose myself right there that or <laughs> there was like usually I have the tv on for background noise too because my room was usually pretty quiet so that would be another distraction I think that one was on me <laughs> Just for having the TV on. Even then, I think just having class online made it easier for that to happen. Whereas when I was in person, it was like, there was no way that would happen because I'm in class. So I'm going to be paying attention to the professor, absorbing the knowledge that they're giving us. And I'm going to be able to learn whatever they're teaching us. I had a microphone in class, even in person. So I don't follow the same rules. But I mean, talk about students not learning. I think this has been like the easiest year in history for students to cheat. Like every single test has been <laughs> like on a computer. And it's like to the point where I, I know somebody who just last week, she had a test and the professor's like, y'all could use Google because I know y'all going to use it either way. So just don't play with me. So it's like we're in a time where it's so easy to cheat, you know. Oh my God, for some reason, all of our grades have grown exponentially. What is that about? I mean, then again, no, because there's a lot of factors that play into it. But I'm like, once we get all back into person in like a year or two, like, how are we going to be performing in these classes that, you know, we cheated on the basic levels and now we're like in this AP class and we know nothing. (laughs) It's like, how are we going to do it? Luckily for me, since I'm going to college and the classes that I didn't cheat in, who said that? They were, let me not expose myself on this radio station. I will say it also, it makes it harder for teachers to do projects because a lot of students can't exactly meet up anymore as effectively because either their parents won't let them go, either they have complications getting from place to place. So it, it does make doing group activities and the learning of cooperation Uh, with your classmates a lot harder and after school activities can normally be a big factor for a student's enjoyment of school so because they have a detachment from those after school activities and the connection with friends and person like when they're going from class to class it does make a significant separation from the want to go to school and the important or how they portray the importance of education Do not get me started on group projects. Group projects suck. Group projects in college. Oh my gosh. They're no, no. Group projects in college in a pandemic. I had, well, I have even forgot the name of the class. Point being, we basically were doing what we do in this radio show. We do it virtually. In that case, I know how to do it virtually. I know how to work with a group virtually transfer audios, look for audio clips, make my audio sparkle, etc. I did not realize people in this 300 level class did not know how to do that. I also did not realize that as communication majors, they did not know how to communicate effectively with the group. (laughs) Let me tell you, it was a mess. Okay, I did pre-production and I was in charge of finding the sparkles, the sounds, the effects, all of that. Never again, never again. We Half of our people were at home. Half of us were on campus. We couldn't go to the computer lab because not all of us were there. 
our audio files. Some of us knew how to work GarageBand, others didn't. Others knew how to send audios. It was a mess. Mind you, this is the same class that played in the background just because like, I, I know how to do what he's teaching. I've learned it here for the past three summers. But group projects during the pandemic in college are a completely different level. I can't wait for the day that I no longer have to do that. Yeah, it was a mess, like you said. Um, between just class schedules, already it makes group projects chaotic because you never know when someone's having one class, so you can't meet up. Then you have a class and the other person doesn't, but you can't meet up. And that whole thing was a mess. But then there was also, you know, we can't meet up here because this is going on or we can't do this because this is going on. And you can't forget night classes. And like some people still had like orchestra, like from 7 to 9 p.m. Mm -mm. The schedule conflicts another level. Yeah. Somebody got to see their boyfriend at eight o'clock. Somebody got to date. Exactly. They had to cancel last minute because our boyfriend came over to the dorm. Like, what's going on? A mess. And then not only is it like social interactions for us, like as young adults, I think we also have to think about social interactions about or social interactions with little kids, like the interactions that they're supposed to have in order to develop as people. Because, you know, humans are social creatures and we have to kind of develop over time. But I feel like little kids like kindergarten, pre-K, they really missed out on that experience full year, year and a half of social interaction just because they couldn't go in person. So like their first experience with school was online. They didn't know anyone. I mean, I guess now they know their names because they saw them on the screen. A lot of teachers forced little kids to have their screen on. So I guess name to a face now, but. Other than that, they really didn't have any, like, in-person interaction like we've had, like we got to have when we went into school. I don't know. I feel like that's something really important. I don't know what you guys think. Do you guys think this is something Yeah, important? that is so sad. You know, if y'all tuned into last week's show where we um, had a podcast talking with many Greater Lawndale residents, you would have heard the interview that we did with with a student teacher with somebody that helped uh, like pre kindergarten, preschool kids. And she talked about, about kind of the like separation that they had, that the kids had to endure, but not only that, but herself, like it was really hard because she gets attached to, uh, you know, these younger generations and talked about, you know, we don't really think about our childhood like that, you know, in these early stages where we're like, okay, just like living life, not really thinking about anything, but it's crazy to think like, did that time actually impact us you know psychologically socially did it do something to us to make us who we are today and it and it really does and it's like weird to think about this new generation that can grow up with so much more social anxiety um with lack of like communication skills just completely different growing up yeah i I agree with you manuel i feel like we we don't really know the effects of them not going to school right now like all the psychological delays it might have caused. And I think it's really sad. I I did see my little cousin like on the screen, you know, all day. And he just, he looks so tired. Like you could see them like unfocused. You know, it was a very sad thing to watch. Yeah, I personally have 
a little one not, he's not mine um my sister has a four-year-old son uh so my nephew this was his first year in school he was in pre-k but his whole first semester i guess you could say was um online and then they went in person but even then the pandemic started when he was three he turned four last august he's about to turn five you know like we'll still go out and i'll wear my mask or i won't wear my mask when we're walking because there's no one around me and he'll look at me and be like yeah i'll wear your mask and i'm like yes i understand that i'll put it on right now but all he's known is wearing a mask you know he was three he's gonna be five like he's used to wearing a mask him going to school requires him wearing a mask you know wherever he goes we had to explain um my sister is in lpn she works at a nursing home so she'll do the science he talk with him so he can tell you what a virus is he can tell you why we need to wear a mask he can tell you about like the parasites in your body and all of that but because he's had to learn because it was the question of why why do i need to wear a mask why do I need to wear a mask in school? Why do I need to wear a mask with my friends? Why Why do I always need to wear a mask when we're going out? So we've really had to, you know, even though he might not understand everything, but, you know, they say it's good to tell kids, you know, how things are, why they are. So, I mean, that's his life. <laughs> he knows the mask life and that's what he's going to remember. Yeah, and I don't think it's only like social wise. Like, again, we have to talk about like, the physical effects that this pandemic online school all this has kind of brought upon us like you said Cynthia you get migraines from being on the screen for too long sometimes or you can't be on the screen for too long because you have a migraine but there's also a lot of other effects that we've seen just being on the screen um, most of the time people tend to strain their eyes um, just from being on the screen for what seven hours on time I think that more applies to younger kids because they're they're sitting on the computer for seven hours apart from whatever lunch break they have or if the teacher gives them a break maybe like to go to the washroom or something like that but even then it's like you're just on the computers staring at it straight for those seven hours and even then there's people who also have i guess other activities that they have that require them to be on the computer for even longer like us let's say we were in school we have to be in seven hours of schooling and we're just on that screen and then we also have our class and then that's another couple hours so we're us being on that computer is kind of going to affect our eyes in the long term we might have to get glasses we might have to get contacts we might just have to go to an optometrist to kind of get our eyes checked make sure we're okay but i know that there's also other options for people who who are going to be on the screen for a long time. Like, I think there's like the blue light absorbing glasses. I don't know if you guys have anything that you guys had to deal with just with being on the screen or if you guys felt any of these effects while you guys were in school. I feel like I, like I feel the eye strain. Hello. I feel the eye strain all the time. I feel like it messed with my vision a little bit. Like, I feel like my vision got worse. So next time when I go to like, get new classes or something i know my lenses are going to be like thicker <laughs> instead of my vision girl and last time i saw you in person you were blind so i still that's, am that's pretty bad <laughs> yeah. yeah 
And of course, with all this talk about school and being online, there also comes into the question of student mental health and how this pandemic has affected students around the nation, not only in their personal, but also in their social lives. For it has been found that being on screens actually do have direct links to a lot of disorders or mental health conditions such as depression, ADHD, and various other behavioral or emotional uh, disorders or effects on students. For instance, being online has been found, especially with social media, that over the years, our generations have been a lot more depressed, sadder, more self-conscious, and a lot of studies have been found that the more time people spend on the internet and on a screen, it does have a significantly higher risk for you to develop depression. For instance, for those who spend above an average amount of time with their friends in person are 20% less likely to say that they're unhappy than those who hang out for a below average amount of time. So there are studies and there is actual data showing that the more you're offline, the happier you are. As when you're online, you are constantly surrounded and bombarded with information. You get to see pictures of people who are in like prime physical condition while you may not feel comfortable with yourself. School also has a big factor in helping mental health as for the most part, people, students are with uh, teachers in their school for more time than they are with their actual family for the most part. Because if you're on a five day school week, you can be around six to eight hours a day, five days a week at school. If you're also taking the time that you spend with friends, doing homework, doing personal projects, you're not gonna have a lot of time with your family except for at meals or when you go on occasional trips with them. So during the weekday, school is a very important part of dealing and help preventing very high risk scenarios for students as a lot of schools are now starting to implement more mental health like screenings and checking in with students. There are a lot of visual cues that can go along with early signs of depression such as maybe self-harm, uh, feeling down, separation, self-isolation. But in COVID, when we're all isolated at home, a lot of those visual cues are not there. So there's a lot higher risk for students that are having early development of depression for it to be plummeted down into the hole that is severe or minor depression. As someone who is currently dealing with it themselves, I can say School has a big impact on keeping that social interaction, that social comfort, really, when it comes to mental health. Because without it, there is a lot less people can do for each other when we're all at home. And there's also the risk that students will isolate themselves in their rooms away from their family. So while a family cannot directly afford mental health like a therapist, or a psychiatrist to assist their, their kids, schools nowadays are starting to implement programs to help kids meet up with therapists. For instance, in my case scenario, I'm at mine through my school and it is paid by, insur by general health insurance. While if you were to go by yourself and your family were to just look for a therapist, there is high likely chance that it's going to cost up to $200 a week for those meetings. And for a lot of families, they cannot afford that especially during COVID. So 
there is a big emphasis on the importance of schools needing to take charge, just even the environment for students to help each other, just so that people and students don't grow up in a, such an isolated world where they might do something that is for people that might do something that may affect them permanently or possibly lose, we might lose them. So, you know, I think you bring up something very important. Schools seem now want to take charge. And, you know, for, in, for us, our school had certain mental health days, but they didn't turn out to be mental health days. They turned out to be catch up on your work days. So, you know, they're trying and we see they're trying. But, you know, sometimes some schools might do more than others. But either way, you know, their help is very much appreciated. But thank you guys for your awesome input on that topic. Now we're going to start closing it off a bit. And, you know, if you guys remember, last summer was very important. It was very eye-opening and a lot of things came to light. If you all remember, we had an activism show last summer Uh, What do you guys think has come of all the activism and protesting? And do you feel that there have been any changes in your opinion? Uh, I'll go first. Personally, I feel I feel there has been changes in the way that um, that the general public uh, will speak up on blatant or covert racism in our society, um, on sexism, on um, on just uh discrimination in general of course of course it would never be enough until until it's completely gone but uh i'm glad i'm glad that there there were more talks of of abolishing systems like uh like our our current um police police system or you know uh stuff that that uh that keeps um that keeps brown brown and black people oppressed in uh in systemic ways, you know, like it's not, it's not something that that we could sit idle by, uh, especially not now. Like something, something that we should have, that should, we should never have let get to this. But is is it's been this way forever because that's how it was built, you know. It's not something that I feel could be changed little by little. It needs to be like rebuilt from the ground up, and that's that's a big task. So I can't really say that in terms of of like change like that i i haven't seen that you know of course you'll know it when you see it that's like a revolution right there you know but i think making making more of these topics like or awareness in in your own households and or, or in your communities that's that's um it is it is a big step you know um if anyone would like to add in Perhaps, you know, your biggest takeaway of the year or a lesson you learned that you would wish to share with everybody. I feel like something I've learned, especially through like, especially the protests and I guess any news that I hear is to also do my own research. I have something I've noticed is I always see like either one news station trying to perpetuate some type of emotion out of me or they're trying to I guess get a reaction out of me or to think a certain way in all honestly I just decided to go and do my own research and not trust everything that is 
also being told to me. Um, you know, like when it comes to weather, obviously I'm gonna like, okay, it's gonna rain today. I'm gonna bring my umbrella. But like more political issues and stuff like that, I've noticed that it's okay to have my own opinion on stuff. And, you know, and I noticed to not judge other people on what they believe in and not to practically berate them or something like that, you know, be open-minded about their opinions and, um, you know, respect them, not, you know, yell at them or anything like that, but just be open to different opinions that are different than mine. Thank you so much for those closing comments and for all your input. On today's show, we discussed our personal lives, experiences, education, mental health, public health, and so much more as we inch closer to normality. Remember, you are listening to WLPNLP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. Broadcasting from the comfort of our homes, my name is Miles. My name is Cynthia. My name is Adrian. Jennifer. August. I'm Nidia. And Emmanuel. And this is the second radio show of What's Up, Season 17, yet another pandemic show. heard from you in a while i hope it's because you're listening and enjoying our amazing outstanding terrific wonderful inspiring delicious funny breathtaking we snatching liddy poppin production if not you should listen to our radio show what's up again in the meantime we'll be twerking on our next one here in lumpin radio So stay tuned for our next amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delicious, funny, breathtaking, weave-snatching, highly amazing production. I hope that you were informed about the YOLO-licious parts of life and get your bag every day. Don't forget to listen to us on SoundCloud at YOLOCALI, on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr at YOLOCALI, or visit at YOLOCALI.org for more. We are the robots. We are the robots.